And good afternoon, producer Susan. How are you doing on this day after Christmas? I'm doing well, Jersey Joe. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Are you still in Pennsylvania or do you travel? I, I traveled across the river to New Jersey. <laughs> Maybe we should try to get together if you're if you're gonna be how long are you gonna be in the state? Oh, a couple of days. I'll play you up. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll get to get together with you offline. Maybe we can get together, do something fun. All right. So you want to hear what I'm going to try to talk about today, as long as my voice holds out? Yeah. What's on the agenda? Well, today's uh, December 26th, the day after Christmas. Uh, we're five days past the winter solstice. So the days are getting longer. Are you enjoying your three extra hours of uh, daylight? You mean three extra minutes? Uh, three extra minutes of daylight? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. Our quote of the week is from the late uh, Prime Minister of uh, Great Britain, Winston Churchill, on one of the problems in it with, with a pure democratic form of government. And the stupidest thing I've heard all week will tell you how the city of Denver is making people who are paying for their hotel rooms, they're turning them into, in another city, they're, they're turning them into homeless people by replacing them with people who can't pay for their own rooms. And our runner-up is about how someone tried to smuggle bullets through a TSA airport security checkpoint dumbest smuggling scheme i've ever heard of i think you heard about that one um, uh, i'm not sure i did all right well we'll get to that um you know there's been a lot of mon a lot of news stories about the monetary cost associated with the massive increase in illegal I immigration all the mayors and governors are asking for money i think the mayor of new york city wants 12 billion dollars chicago wants money uh you know to cover the cost of illegal immigration and, and i'm sure you've heard some of those stories right they're saying this mm -hmm. It's busting our budget. We're having to cut back on police and fire and and education. You've mm -hmm. heard those stories, right? Yep. You've never heard about the human cost. We're going to tell you how many people might still be uh, alive today if it wasn't for the amount of illegal immigration in this country, because the news never talks about the human cost, only the monetary cost. So we're going to tell you about the human cost and how many lives have been lost as a result of the flood of illegal immigrants entering this country. <clears throat> And another, and an, and an example of Churchill's observations, will give you another example of how the you've heard the saying the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yep. yep. Well, we'll tell you how those well-intentioned measures passed by the voters in the state of Oregon have resulted in a dra dramatic increase in the number of people dying from drug overdose deaths. Again, they had great intentions, um, but the uh, actual result is exactly opposite of what they hoped for. Um, you've heard of lab-grown diamonds, right? Yep. Well, if you or any of your friends are thinking about, if you know anybody who's been your guy friends or or, or going to think about buying an engagement ring or or um, maybe some of your girlfriends want to, are asking for uh, diamond stud earrings, we're going to tell you what's happening with the cost of lab-grown diamonds and the and the and how those costs are changing the prices of natural diamonds. A very interesting dynamic going on there. Um, we'll tell you about another report that just came out on homicide trends in the United States and which demographic group continues to account for a disproportionately high percentage of all homicide victims in this country. We'll also revisit a topic we first covered and speculated about last month about how being a college graduate will most likely add years to your life expectancy. Do you remember when we covered that one? Yes. Okay, well, we're going to go back to that one now with a, a much broader study. Um, everybody's heard about the Colorado Supreme Court decision that's uh, barring Donald Trump from appearing on that state's presidential ballot next year. You, everybody's heard. You've heard that one, yep. right? Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you some legal background on why the Supreme Court will most likely 
uh, overturn that decision and why it might even be a nine to zero uh, ruling because it's just a matter of black letter law. I don't know how these judges ignored the Constitution in arriving that at that ruling. And we'll tell you why they ignored the Constitution. <clears throat> and if we have time, uh, we'll tell you about owning a dog is good for your health and well-being, particularly if you are single. And you own a dog, right? Yep. And you know a lot of people, a lot of single people who own dogs? Yep. So we're going to ask you to weigh on this. All right. And we're, for our taxpayer relief shot this week, we're going to revisit our taxpayer relief shot from last week. Don't know if you remember, but it's about a single woman in Fort Worth who ended up shooting and killing a 14-year-old teenager who was trying to break into her home at 3 o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, and the question we had, what's a 14-year-old doing on doing out at, on a school yeah. night? Uh, anyway, uh, this week, uh, they've uh, she's consented to do an interview, and she tells her story about what happened that night. And she's a single mother, and it's it's really it's really tragic when she tells the story about what happened. So anyway, so we you want to dive right in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So here's a quote by the late Winston Churchill, and again, he's talking about pure democracies where it's majority rules, right? And he goes, and by the way, and this will tie into uh, some of the uh, the stories we're going to talk about, like Oregon with it with their the, the things the voters passed. But he said the best argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. <laughs> Have you ever had a conversation with, with, with somebody who said, and then shake your head and say, and this person can vote? Have you ever met yeah. somebody like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you, when you, when you talk, and, uh, and I think the story we're going to talk about Oregon is a perfect example of how people, you know, they vote with their hearts. They don't have all the information. They don't vote with their minds or logic. Mm -hmm. All right. So here's the stupidest thing I've heard all week. Um, so the city of Denver has been plagued with homeless people. Mm -hmm. Um, so what they decided to do, they found a, like a motel six in the nearby city of Aurora. And they said to the, to the motel operator, um, we'd like to rent every room you have for the next 30 days, but we need the entire, the entire property. We need every single room. Mm -hmm. And this motel had a lot of people who for various reasons, because they didn't have good credit histories, uh, maybe they had pets that couldn't rent apartments, but they were living there week to week. It was local, it was cheaper than paying rent on a two bedroom apartment. Um, so when the hotel agreed to rent the entire property to the city of Denver for a month, they went to all these rent paying tenants who had been there in some cases, four months. I mean, many, some of these people had lived there for six months you know, people, you know, that guy had a job, uh, wife works in a supermarket and they have a dog or whatever, and they've been living in this Motel 6 for six months. Mm -hmm. The uh, motel said, well, you're being evicted, not because you haven't paid your rent, but we've rented out the entire hotel to the city of Denver. So mm -hmm. now they've made these people homeless um, mm -hmm. because they were living in the hotel because they didn't either have the credit history or the means to rent an apartment. And there aren't any other low cost hotels like this one in the in the close by so the city of denver is simply it's squeezing the balloon all they've done is they've they've taken their problem mm -hmm. moved it to aurora now aurora has a bunch of homeless people and by the way in 30 days when the city of denver stops paying for all these illegal immigrants what of course what is the hotel operator going to do to those illegal immigrants in they that hotel? they're going to evict them but when they get evicted onto the street, will it be the street of Denver or will it be the street of Aurora? The street of Aurora. Right. So all Denver has done 
this is a just a great i mean well talk about a great program yeah every every month we'll ship i don't know 140 of our legal immigrants to this motel well 30 days and after 30 days they'll get kicked out in the streets in the next town over and they won't be here anymore mm -hmm. what a great plan is yeah. that is that the stupidest thing you've ever heard of all week yeah well in a in a related story um similar in uh maui i can't remember the specific name of the village adjacent to maui that had lanai, that i think of lanai or it was lanai yeah. yes right. um all of those people were staying in in hotels and now they're all being evicted because well it's tourist season right and they right and the hotels are saying sorry because i know the hotels because it was off season was renting to them at a yeah. rate but now that it's coming into high season that the hotel saying hey we need the rooms for high paying customers yeah so, let's kick our 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 homeless residents out because right. they're you know their how their community has been decimated right and the and the state of hawaii is no longer going to pay for your room so you're on your own and if you want to pay the going tourist rate you can do that but otherwise yeah. the state the state is no longer going to pay for your room so so anyway so city of denver number one they're simply taking group a mm -hmm. and displacing group b and then at the end of 30 days both Group A and Group B will both be homeless, but they won't be homeless in Denver. They'll be homeless in Aurora. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I talk about stupidity, but anyway. So you want to hear about the runner-up? Yeah, what's the runner-up? In LaGuardia Airport last week, this couple with a baby was going through TSA security, and they had a, like a, a diaper bag for the kid with the bottles and the toys and whatnot. Inside one of the diapers, the clean diapers in the diaper bag, they had stashed away 17 nine millimeter bullets inside a clean diaper in the diaper bag. Now, if you know anything about an X-ray, don't you think the bullets are going to show up when they run that bag through the through the X-ray machine? You would think, right? Yeah. It's a lead bullet in a brass case. So yeah, so it was like, duh, uh, you you've got 17 nine millimeter bullets in your diaper bag. So uh, that has to be right up there I, yes a smarter criminal would have put them in the dirty diaper in a dirty diaper right but no, and still would have gotten caught still got still would have got caught exactly so but yeah 17 bullets in a clean diaper in a, in a baby's diaper bag all right let's move on to the cost of illegal immigration have you ever heard the the liberal justification we need to do this and then quote even if it would save just one life have you ever heard that yeah. argument mm -hmm. Yeah, we need to add a dedicated bike lane because even if we just so, you know, we're going to take away a perfectly good car lane on a busy street and create traffic, traffic and traffic congestion because mm -hmm. it's worth it if we if we save even just one life. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've heard something like that to justify, you know, ridiculous expenditures of taxpayer money as well. So how many crimes do illegal aliens commit after illegal entering the United States and how many people would still be alive today? if we had a secure southern border mm -hmm. well we'll never know the true number for for two reasons first not every crime is solved meaning that the citizenship and immigration status of the offender is not always known um so if somebody gets killed and they can't find who killed them you don't know if the person who killed them was a citizen non-resident uh here on a visa or an illegal immigrant second there's no national database showing the citizenship citizenship and immigration status of those who get convicted of felony felony level crimes however one state that does is texas and this data is from their database and the report references something they refer to as pep which is an acronym that customs and border patrol uses for 
Priority Enforcement Program, which is a program where they seek to identify and deport dangerous criminal illegal aliens. And here's a quote from that report. Between June 1st of 2011 and November 30th of 2023, 294,000 illegal aliens were charged with more than 500,000 criminal offenses, which included arrests for, here's a big number, 937 homicide charges, 63,000 assault charges, 9,000 burglary charges, 59,000 drug charges, 1,100 kidnapping, 25,000 theft. But I want to focus on 937 homicides. That's just in one state. So those 937 people were killed by illegal aliens in one state. So, so my, so my question is, um, so my question is, these are people who would still be alive today or the vast majority, you know, they, they could, they could later be hit by a car, they could get killed by somebody else. Uh, and, you know, and you can't get a hundred percent, but you would have to believe that the vast majority of those 937 people just in the state of Texas who have been murdered by illegal aliens would still be alive today. Wouldn't, wouldn't you believe that? A majority of them, yes. So whatever happened to if it would save just one life? I mean, clearly, if we could cut down on the number of illegal aliens entering this state, um, in, entering this country, more people would be alive today. But, oh, and by the way, even when an, an illegal alien is arrested for murdering someone, and that story makes the evening news, the news will show you that person's picture name, but rarely will they mention his or her uh immigration stuff i mean you've seen the picture they show the picture of the person he's hispanic bum bum was arrested bum bum and the murder of so and so but they never they never tell you that person's immigration status have you ever noticed that true yeah no i yeah, you I, know the the majority of the people coming into this country are coming here to for a better life so i i feel like this also qualifies under given the millions of people that are crossing the border one bad apple spoils the bunch right Right, but in this case, it's a thousand. In just one state, it's obviously a thousand bad apples. Yeah, a thousand bad apples, a thousand out of a million. Right, right? so you know, it's 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 one percent, all right, yeah. or or one tenth of one percent. But still, if we're gonna if if somebody's going to use the rationale, even if it saves just one life, mm -hmm. then why are why is the U.S. Senate blocking the House proposal for more more funding for border security, mm -hmm. right? Because if we and by the way. And so many of these people come across, particularly the ones that are known as gotaways that never get apprehended by uh, Customs and Border Patrol. The gotaways tend to be the most violent criminals. All right. <clears throat> you want to talk about the road to hell being paid with good intentions? Yeah. What's what's another? Well, example? first I want to go back to uh, before. I want to preface this. Uh, the Nobel winning economist, the late Milton Friedman, once said that too many programs are judged by their intentions rather than their results. And this would appear to be a classic example of what happened in Oregon. So in Oregon, in 2020, they passed something called Proposition 110, which decriminalized the use and possession of small quantities of dangerous drugs, which translated to drug users simply being given a citation instead of being arrested and jailed when they were found in possession of drugs. And so what are, the, what are some of the results of that well-intentioned programs? In 2019, which is the year before that proposition became law, there were 280 opioid-related overdose deaths in the city of Portland. So remember that. 2019, the year before Prop 110, 280 people died of opioid overdose deaths. 
You know what that figure was last year? You want to guess? Was it last year? So 280. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, I hope that it's half that, but it's probably twice that. Well, you would be wrong. It's three times that 955, oh. a 340% increase. Wow. So they decriminalized the possession of legal drugs, possession and use, and opioid drug overdoses went from 280 to 955 in three years, a 340% increase. Um, and here's some more. In 2015, there are 1,800 homeless people living in the city of Portland. Uh, you want to guess how many homeless people there are in the city of Portland today? Remember, the old number was 1,887. I want to unfortunately say that's probably doubled. Triple, 6,297. Again, a 340% increase. Um, and in the past three years, you know how many drug use, drug possession citations have been issued? Probably half that. Well, 6,000. But here's the other thing. You know what percentage of those 6,000 citations have been ignored and never paid? Oh, probably the majority of them. 64%. I want to play you a two-minute clip of a CBS News interview on exactly how that's working out for the city of Portland. And here we go. Here, hang on. Emergency as overdoses there soar to record levels. Some are blaming a first-of-its-kind law passed in 2020, which partly decriminalized possessing certain drugs. Oregon saw the sharpest increase in overdose deaths from synthetic opioids in the U.S. after the legislation took effect. Adam Yamaguchi joined police on patrol in Portland to see the impact of this controversial law. It's the middle of the day in downtown Portland, Oregon. Am I holding up for a second? We're on a ride along with Portland Police Bike Squad. All right, don't worry about the other thing, right? You're just going to take it today. Block after block, foil, syringes, and used Narcan canisters litter the streets. The sight of open fentanyl use is inescapable. What did you see that warrants the citation? He was smoking drugs on the sidewalk. 23-year-old Milo McPherson is not facing arrest or criminal prosecution for openly smoking fentanyl. Instead, Portland police officer David Bear hands McPherson a $100 citation. Because you're going to call one of these numbers. Excellent. The drug They'll pay the ticket for you. And if you want treatment, then give you treatment, okay? Under Oregon's Drug Addiction Treatment and Recovery Act, drugs are decriminalized statewide in an effort to instead help addicts with treatment. Everyone has Narcan? $100 fine. Smoking fentanyl in public. Don't worry about that. And they're going to either offer you treatment or at least pay the fine for you. But calling the help hotline is voluntary, frustrating Portland law enforcement. Put your hands behind your back. They say without the threat of jail and fentanyl's addictiveness, there isn't a real incentive for people to seek treatment. What sort of an impact has 110 had on what you do out on the street every day? My full-time job is fentanyl, and basically all roads lead to fentanyl in downtown Portland. Since Measure 110 took effect nearly three years ago, more than 6,000 citations have been filed, and 64% have been ignored. The vast majority of people that get those tickets, they just throw them away. A coalition of police chiefs, donors, and district attorneys are now calling for the recriminalization of drugs, along with adding diversion programs within the criminal court system. We don't want to double down on something that's failing. We've had three years of this law that has not delivered on the promise that voters thought they were getting. Including Washington County DA Kevin Barton. People in, in these social services programs will say the process of putting someone in jail is part of the harm that they're trying to reduce. There's no silver bullet here. We need to create rewards and consequences to motivate people to engage in treatment. The advocate. So what do you think? Wrote to yeah, help? These people don't care. They, they, they're they like, you want to give me $100 fine? <laughs> give me $100 fine. I'm going to throw it in the next trash bin. They're probably not even going to throw it in the trash bin. They're probably just going to throw it on the ground. 
Yeah, and because if they had $100, what do you think they're going to spend the $100 on? They'd buy $100 worth of drugs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so anyway, so that, I think that's a classic example of the road to hell. The, the people, the, and by that was not something the politicians did. That's something the voters, it was a ballot measure. And the voters said, yeah, we want to implement Proposition 110 and we want to decriminalize uh, drug use and possession. And that's what they got. They, you know, you've, you've got 980 people a year and now are dying when it used to be 280 people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, an extra 600 people a year are dying from a drug overdose as a result of your good intentions. So it's just so sad. Um, you know, again, again, people have their hearts in the right places, but uh, they're living in a fantasy world thinking that if you decriminalize drugs, it's going to be, you know, uh, lollipops and, you know, and unicorns. It's just not how the real world, work, real world works. All right. How much time we got? I got about 15 minutes. All right. So we got time to talk about lab grown diamonds. Yeah. So, you know, they first became a thing about five years ago. Um, not the price, you know, and in that five years, the price of lab, lab grown diamonds has fallen by a dramatic 75% from 5,500 per carat down to just $1,300 per carat. And this is for a flawless, no, you know, no inclusions. It's a flawless 1300 carat and it's a real diamond. I mean, it's mm -hmm. identical, chemically identical to a regular diamond. Um, and as that price for, um, and by the way, they no longer refer to them as synthetic. They are not synthetic. They are real 100% diamonds, except they're grown in the lab instead of grown underground. Um, a synthetic would be like a cubic zirconium. No, these are real actual diamonds. Mm -hmm. And as the price of lab-grown diamonds has fallen, it's also dragged down the price of many natural diamonds, which have also fallen by almost 40% in the past 12 months. 12 months ago, you were paying nearly 7,000 per carat for a one carat diamond. And that that one carat diamond today, instead of 7,000, is just 4,800. And how about when you get to the bigger stones? Well, the, the larger natural diamonds in the three carat range are have not seen the same decline because uh, in both the cost, because they're rare, you know, a three carat natural diamond is rare. Um, so why the cost of a three carat lab grown diamond has fallen from $30,000 to just 8,200, um, the uh, the regular, the, the other diamonds, the natural three carat diamonds are still up in the $70,000 range, but that 8,200 is just 12% of the cost of the, the natural three carat diamond. So here's your choice. You can have a three carat lab grown diamond for 8,200 or a three carat uh, natural diamond for 70,000. And oh, if you go with the lab grown diamond, you can also buy yourself, you know, a nice new, you know, you know, brand new Chevy Camaro, whatever, with the mm -hmm. with the change. So, well, so if you had a choice between uh, a three carat lab grown diamond ring or a one carat natural diamond, which would you choose? I'd probably go with the lab grown diamond. I mean, and then the other thing with natural diamonds is that so many of them are are mined under, you know, their conflict well, diamonds or slave conflict diamonds, diamonds blood or... diamonds, right? Yeah. So again, so the price today is about you know one third to one quarter and um and again and, one, and once you get into the bigger stones you know if if any friends of yours have a girlfriend and you know they want to get engaged mm -hmm. you know tell her she can get a three carat lab grown diamond for the same price as a one carat natural diamond 
And think, like you said, you know, natural diamonds, they, they are rated on, you know, cut and clarity. Right. They, they're not flawless where the lab grown diamonds actually are, are, are flawless. Are flawless. They, spark, they sparkle as well as if not better than a natural diamond. And again, you can now get a three carat lab grown diamond for the same price as a one carat natural diamond or even diamond earrings. I mean, if you want to get some one carat diamond earrings, mm -hmm. you could get a pair of one carat diamond earrings uh, lab grown for, you know, 1800 versus what I say, 7,000 mm -hmm. uh, for the, for the natural. So anyway, so that's where we are. So if you're in the market or if you or anybody else, you know, are thinking about buying diamonds, uh, you know, look into lab grown diamonds, which are not synthetic. They're real diamonds. All and right. In the long term, also a lot cheaper to insure. Also cheaper to insure. Exactly. All right. You want to talk about homicide trends? Yeah, what are the latest homicide trends? Well, now, based on all the news stories, you know, every morning I turn on TV, who got shot, who got stabbed, uh, you know, you hear about mass murders. You would assume that the homicide, that the United States is getting dramatically more yeah. dangerous every year, right? Mm -hmm. You would assume that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? In the past 40 years, since 1980, actually, yeah, since 1980, the homicide rate per 100,000 population has fallen by 40%. In 1980, the homicide rate was 10.2 per 100,000. Last year, it had fallen by 40% down to 6.3 per 100,000. So despite all these news stories you hear about how dangerous the country is, blah, 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 the homicide rate per 100,000 people has fallen by 40%. Um, now, and we've talked about this before, which demographic groups do you think have still have unfortunately dramatically higher homer homicide rates than than others in this country uh, unfortunately I, I think that is black men right and here's a quote from the study by the council on criminal justice um it's not just black men it's more more specifically uh, young black men people age 15 to 19 years old were three times more likely to die by homicides in 20 from 2020 to 2021 than in 1960. Black males were eight times more likely and black females were four times more likely to die by homicide in the 2020 to 2021 time period than their white counterparts. So if you're a black female, you're four times more likely to be murdered than your white counterpart. And if you're a black male, you're eight times more likely to be killed today uh, mm. uh, than, than your white counterpart. And here's the other discouraging thing. Uh, 40 years ago, the, the homicide clearance rate was above 80%. In other words, 80% of all homicides were solved. You know what the homicide clearance rate today is? It's probably significantly less. 50%. 50%, which means, you know, cops are getting gunshots fired. And the cops show up. There's a body in the street. Nobody knows anything, or if they know anything, they're not telling. Yep. So today people are getting shot in the street. And nobody either knows or cares to tell them what they saw. So again, and, and the crazy thing with that too, with our, the way the technology is changing, there should be no excuse to not solve a, to a murder. Well, you have to know who was there, who, you know, who, what, what was the, what did the person look but like? Ex exactly. But, uh, you know, there's so many doorbell cameras and people, you know, looking out their windows, they got cell phone cameras. So the homicide rate has, excuse me, the homicide clearance rate has plummeted. And today, mm -hmm. Only half of all murders are are uh, are solved. Yeah. And if anything, I mean, you know, the the solve rate should be, you know, practically perfect with all the technology we have today. You would think if it yeah. if it used to be eighty, you would think it'd be higher than ninety percent today, but no, yeah. it's the other way. 
All right. Life expectancy. Last month, I told you about my own little non-scientific study where I looked at my quarterly alumni magazine. I did my little calculations and I said, well, and at the time I went to my engineering school was all male. It was not co-ed. At that time, I came up with, yeah, yeah, the guys who graduated my engineering school were living 13 years longer than average than the average male in this country. And I attributed that to probably a higher standard of living and being better educated, taking better care of themselves. Well, now a much broader study was conducted by the Brookings Institute that included both male and female college graduates. And they showed an average increase in life expectancy of nine years for all college graduates versus nine college. Now, does that nine-year figure contradict the 13-year figure I came up with for the male engineering school graduates? No. Uh, you're right, and it doesn't for two reasons. First, the Brookings study included both male and female graduates, and the increase in life expectancy for female gra college graduates was far less, it had far less impact on their life expectancy than the males. Mm -hmm. Females, uh, a college degree for female it, yes, it made a difference, but it didn't make it didn't have the dramatic difference that it did for the male. Uh, second, not all college degrees had the same impact on life expectancy. If you graduate with an engineering degree from MIT or a law degree from Harvard or Yale, those degrees will generally have a far greater impact on your standard of living and associated life expectancy than a degree from art history from a college no one ever heard of. So uh, I don't think the two are contradictory. Uh, one is just broader. It mm -hmm. looks at males and females. Then it looks at all college all college degrees, not just you know the the high income degrees. All right. So I want to get to this one. This is the Colorado Supreme Court, and everybody's heard about them throwing Trump off their ballot, and they base their decision, well, one on the unproven claim that he participated in an insurrection, a crime he's never been charged or convicted of. But more importantly, they based it on uh, Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment. I want to read that Section Three verbatim. And here's what that section that they hung their hat on says. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president. Elector of president means member of the, the House of, um, uh, who's the people that, that vote for the president? Um, uh, the electoral college. Electoral college. Elector or hold any office, civil or military under the United States or under any states who, and here's the important, who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or a member of any state. Mm -hmm. So the, this section only applies to people who have taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States. Well, guess what? Was Trump ever a member of Congress? No. Now, is was he an officer of the United States? Well, that question. Yes, yes he was, right? No, he wasn't. In 2010, oh. there was a Supreme Court case that, and it came up a totally, totally separate issue, but they, the court ruled because the question of the president being an officer. And in 2010, the Supreme Court ruling, it was the, the case of Free Enterprise Fund versus Public Accounting Oversight Board. Chief Justice Roberts observed that it is, quote, the people do not vote for officers of the United States. Rather, officers of the United States are appointed exclusively to article 2 section 2 procedures and it follows that it is the president who is an who is an elected official is not an officer of the united states so what he points to is in another part of the constitution it says officers are appointed not elected therefore since the president is elected he is not an officer because officers are appointed 
-hmm. So therefore, Section 3, since he's not a member of Congress and is not an officer, as officers are defined in the Constitution, Section 3 doesn't apply. Therefore, when the Colorado Supreme Court said you're barred under Section 3, Section 3 doesn't apply to the President of the United States because he never took an oath as a congressman or an officer. How's that for a piece of news? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, whether you like him or not, I think he has the right to be on the ballot. And I just hope that if he does make it to the ballot, that right. people have enough sense not to elect him or well, not I, to vote for him to get on the, the primary ballot. You and me both. How much time we got left? Uh, you got about five minutes. Then we probably don't have time to talk about we'll talk about dogs next week. But let me put it this way. If you have if, if somebody's single or or lost a spouse, uh, having a dog will greatly improve their life and their and their we'll talk about that next week. Mm -hmm. All right. So last week we talked about the taxpayer lease shot about this woman who shot this um, 14 year old kid trying to break into her house at three o'clock in the morning. This week we have an interview with her, this poor woman, and she's telling her side of the story. And here we go. Let's see if there's an ad going to play here. Yep, there is, as the typical ad is going to play. And let me get the ad out of the way. Skip the ad. A Fort Worth woman who shot and killed a teenager, she says, was breaking into her rental home, told us today how the incident has changed her life. Police have not filed charges for the shooting, and they plan to submit the case for a grand jury review. Aliyah Wallace talked exclusively with Fox Sports' Sean Rabb, who joins us now live. Sean. Uh, Leah Wallace uh, bought a gun to protect herself and her family, she tells me, after a rash of break-ins in her apartment. Those happened while she and her family were not at home. But uh, on December 14th, twice that day, while she was home with her kids, someone tried to get in. I was cleaning my living room, sweeping my floor, and I heard her window start going back up. So I went. And I looked in the hallway, and I could see him standing at the window, lifting it up, and I just shot. Gunshots that killed 14-year-old Devin Baker at the bedroom window of Aaliyah Wallace's 8-year-old daughter early morning, December 14th. It's, it's bothering me that he was a kid. The incident happened not long after police left Wallace's home after responding to her 911 call about someone trying to break into her duplex. So I called him at 1.22 a.m. We talked for like 30 minutes. They did a report, took pictures of everything, and then they left. I believe there were reports that you had been burglarized or attempted burglaries before? Yes, I have like three or four police reports before this night. So what has happened since this incident? Um, the apartment called and told me that I was not supposed to have a gun at all, even though I kept calling them, telling them somebody was breaking in. They told me I could not have a gun and that I have 30 days to vacate. And how does that make you feel? Um, feel like I'm back at square one. I've been there for six years to now. I don't know what to do. This case is going to the grand jury. It's a referral, as they call it, and they're gonna let citizens decide. What do you want people to know about you, Aaliyah Wallace? That I was only protecting my kids. I have four daughters. It's just me and my four daughters that stay there. I just was protecting my daughters. How do you feel about what happened? Um, devastated that he was 14. I hate that. I literally do, and I'm so sorry. But at that point, I had to think about my babies. I didn't know he was 14 when he was on the other side of that window. All I knew that somebody could come in here and hurt me or my kids. 
All right. How do you, how do you, what's your reaction to her story? Yeah, yeah, I feel bad. I mean, she, you know, she, she's obviously devastated. She took a life, you know, she's a mom and yep. she took, you know, but she was doing what she had to do to protect her own children. Yep. And she didn't know the kid was 14. I mean, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black. And here's the window of her eight-year-old daughter's room being opened up yeah. at three o'clock in the morning. And so she shot. Now she's getting... And now she's, yeah, she's going to, unfortunately, she's going to live with that pain for the rest of her life. But, you know, she no. had to do what she had to do. And now she's being evicted because the place that was running her apartment said no guns allowed. So she's being evicted. Anyway, uh, that's all I got, unless you want to add something. Nope. I hope that uh, this is our last podcast of the, the year. So we'll see you next year. We'll see you next year. And in the meantime, if you have any questions, you want any links, just uh, send me an email to uh, joe at jerseyjoe.com and jersey spelled J-E-R. Z-E-E, jerseyjoe.com is the website or joe at jerseyjoe.com. And with that, producer Susan, I'll talk to you next year. You have a good good uh, New Year's. You as well. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.